0: Daily Premier League News and Views. This is Football Social Daily.
2: Welcome to Football Social Daily. It's a Friday and the World Cup is just around the corner. Yes, you're hearing that right. It might be mid-November, but there is a first ever Winter World Cup on the horizon. It takes place in Qatar. England are already there training. Ivan Tony, of course, isn't. The Brentford striker wasn't selected in Southgate's 26-man squad for the tournament, and there were a few reasons as to why that might be. One of them is that the Brentford man is said to have placed over 200 bets on professional football matches in the last five years. He could be facing a lengthy ban. What does that mean for Tony? And more importantly, for Brentford fans, what does that mean for them? We'll get stuck into that a little bit later on, as well as a bit of an overview of this upcoming tournament in the Middle East with Gavin Hamilton, who's an international football journalist. We'll be talking about the fake fans that we keep seeing walking the streets of Doha, the media access that's restricted and just exactly what's going on in Iran right now, as England prepare to face the Middle Eastern nation on Monday afternoon. Of course, as it's a Friday as well on Football Social Daily, we won't be leaving you without our World Cup-themed quiz, so stick around for that, and we'll be doing that today on Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast in the company of Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. How are you doing, boys? Good morning.
3: Not too bad. I was trying to get a beer in Qatar I flew out, uh, but finding (laughs) it hard to, uh, to get my hands on it. A lovely cold
2: Baghdad <laughs> I don't think you'd be fine cider. If you can't <laughs> find beer, you're definitely not going to find cider in Qatar. Um, but yeah, uh, I, that's one of the questions we'll be posing to Gavin later because there's been a bit of an issue with the beer in the stadium. You know what the England fans are like? They only care about one thing and that's the beer in the stands, um, which obviously you don't tend to get in the UK, particularly in the Premier League. You don't get to drink beer in view of the pitch, but um, you might not be able to drink beer at all in Qatar if uh, the way things are going are certainly correct. So we'll find out that from Gavin a little bit later on. But despite the fact the World Cup has taken up most of people's focus right now, we've got to talk about Ivan Tony Because in the couple of days since we last done a podcast, lads, Ivan Tony has been revealed to have allegedly betted 232 times on professional football matches since 2017. And of course, Joel, betting as a pro player is banned. It's prohibited due to the implications of match fixing. So... This is a pretty serious thing for a Premier League pro, uh, for a Premier League player and one with a profile like Ivan Tony's. It's not like he's just kind of a, a second-choice striker for a middling Premier League club. He's kind of an England international and someone who's regularly near the top of the scoring charts in the Premier League. So this is quite a significant allegation.
1: Yeah, and it's been bubbling for a good, what, three weeks now ever since he's been gaining form. And just before the World Cup squad was announced and we were all literally discussing to each other how... This could potentially hamper his chances, and I'm starting to think that this may have been the case. I don't want to, you know, put a dampener on the players who've already been picked to say, oh, they've they've been picked as a consequence of that. But I mean, I feel like we'd be naive to think that, for example, Southgate has not been told earlier that this is happening. There's an investigation underway, and. Something may happen during the World Cup, which would absolutely, I think, dismantle and unravel the whole squad. If that was to be the case, can can you imagine the the, com- the commotion over it while the the players are in Qatar? It would just be nonsensical, I think. And I think the most worrying side or the most worried party in this will be Brentford now, because he's scored twelve goals in sixteen games this season, which is an unreal return. They're doing pretty well this season Brentford just hovering around mid-table obviously got that amazing victory at the Etihad uh, just before the break and I think they're going to be massively worried and that's purely because of the precedent that's been set prior to this going about which is other players who've been banned for betting I mean you only have to look at for example Kieran Trippier not long ago while he was playing for Atletico Madrid he got fined £70,000 got suspended for 10 weeks and that was a count of one incident. So two hundred and thirty-two incidents. I'm not great at maths, but if you times that that ten weeks by two hundred and thirty-two, I mean he might not be playing until he's ninety years old. So uh, it's going I don't know how they're gonna weigh it. I really don't know. I don't underst- I don't know the the rules around you know each individual incident. But I mean the precedent's been set. One incident, ten weeks. That's a lot. So I don't know how far down the rabbit hole they're gonna go with this. But I think Brentford. Are gonna this this could literally damage the whole season I don't know if they'll have legal implications because of it it could be a really big uh case to to go down so I don't know but I think it's worrying for them at the moment
2: yeah you're right when you mentioned Trippier he was banned for 10 weeks in the December of 2020 so about two years ago for leaking information about his transfer to Atletico Madrid he basically whatsapp messaged a mate saying to lump on him moving to Atletico Madrid and as you say that was one incident that wasn't actually Kieran Trippier involved in the betting himself this is 232 alleged cases in the instance of Ivan Tony Marley. And if we look at someone also recently, Joey Barton, the current Bristol Rovers manager and, of course, a former Man City player in the Premier League, he was banned for five months for over a thousand incidents of betting. He was found uh, guilty by an, an FA charge. So, with that in mind, Trippier banned for 10 weeks. Barton was banned for five months for over a thousand incidents. Tony's sat here 232 alleged breaches of the rules. What do you think his punishment will be? Do you think it will be lengthier than
3: Kieran Trippier's, but perhaps not as lengthy as Joey Barton's? Um I'm thinking it, it'd be in the months. Um I'd say maybe, you know, twelve weeks, maybe it sort of springs to mind like three months. Um it seem it seems harsh, uh but that sort of takes into account, you know, is is it that bad? It's it's not match fixing. It's not why why is that? It's not match fixing because he, he didn't he didn't have interest in 232 different games. He didn't uh, fix anything. It wasn't spot betting. He wasn't trying to, yeah. you know... Deliberately uh, well, get booked. I don't, and... I don't think there's been mm-hmm. any proof or anything of, of getting sent off or, you know, scoring or missing penalties or something, for example, that he's in control of. If there was, it's a different thing. Um, and there has been a few people uh, highlighting dodgy things he's done on the pitching in uh, the Twitter cesspit in the in the past week or so, since these allegations have come to light, but you know, I, to put it into context, like 232 bets sounds sounds an insane amount, but it's one accumulator a week for that four year period. So he's been doing it for 2017 till 2021. That's four years. That's 200 weeks, um, and he's bet 232 times. So you're probably talking a a fourfold, fivefold fold accumulator every week for four years in the football season it's something that pretty much everybody does i know he shouldn't do it as a as a footballer and you should know better Mm. um but you i mean but in
2: 2017 in all fairness to ivan tony and i'm not excusing what he's done here because he should know better he was playing for scunthorpe united he's playing for peterborough united as well yeah i mean these are the teams it's it's a five-year period in which he's represented five different teams
3: yeah, and my, what I was going to come on to say then is is in, if you went around League 1 and went through every every player's phone and, and League 2 and even probably the Championship as well, if you went through everyone's phone, they've got a betting app, 100%. Because the money isn't as good down there and they know more about the teams. So either they're doing it... People who might be doing it through like a, a friend similar to Trippier did. Like By the way, in the Trippier case... He was asked, "Are you going to Atletico Madrid?" And he said, "Yeah, it looks pretty much done." And then the guy, his his friend, was saying, "Like, should I, should I, should I bet on it?" And Trippier said, "Lump on if you want." Like he didn't say, "I'm definitely going," but also he was his mate, so he kind of said, "Yeah, I'm, it's pretty much a done deal." So the the lines are really blurry because it can get lumped into match fixing, and and that isn't, in my opinion, what this is. I think it's just a um, somebody making it, it's a mistake, it's, it's a clear mistake, but I'm thinking a three-month ban is, is staggering because if you went through all those bets individually, he's probably betting on like Serie A games and, you know, Juventus to beat uh, Sassuolo on a on a Friday night or a Sunday night. Um, he doesn't have any say in those games. He's just another guy guessing the outcome and he's, he's stick a fiver on um, Juventus or something like that. So unless all these things come out, I don't think it's as big a deal as it sounds, but you know the precedent is there for a, for a big punishment. I can see him missing two or three months of games, to be honest.
2: Well, at the moment, he's been charged and he's got until the 24th of November to respond. Of course, Trippier was banned for 10 weeks, as you say, Joel. I wonder what stance the FA will take if he's found guilty and whether they'll make an example of him because know, Joey Barton, that five-month punishment was for 1,200-plus betting incidents over a 10-year period. This is 232 over a five-year period. Um, I always feel that it comes down harder on players than it does on managers because of the, the allegations of potential spot-fixing and mat fix, match-fixing, like Marley says. Um, you mentioned, Joel, that you think it makes sense as to why now he wasn't selected for England. Well, the chief executive of the football association mark bullingham has said that he was available for selection and he was chosen on footballing grounds not to be part of the squad it was nothing to do with the fact that he had this fa charge looming is that something you agree or do you think the fa are just saying this to kind of maybe tidy the situation up a little bit
1: that's the most corporate response isn't it i mean i think if he was to get picked i definitely don't think they would have released that statement just before he's been picked or while he's on the plane to Qatar to say, oh, by the way, now that you're on the plane to Qatar, we're going to start investigating you for uh, betting allegations. I don't believe that'll be the case. I think what matters in this, like you both just mentioned, is the context. Because like we've just said in Trippier's case, it was a direct involvement in his transfer, which is totally understandable because that is basically someone gaining an advantage based on your own football career. Whereas, I don't know how many times in his 232 occasions he's been around his own team. I don't know how many times he even won, how many times uh, he's had like inside information on a game. It could be something yeah. that's totally non involved in him. I don't know the it, context. It's one of those, isn't it, where, listen,
2: if you back yourself to score, you know, you put 20 quid on yourself to score if you're a player or your team to win. A lot of people I've seen on social media have said, I don't see a problem with that. Ivan back backing his team. And I, I get where people are coming from, but it's it's dangerous to allow some instances of betting and not of others. And although it might not be that bad, it's one of those things where breaches are breaches and it doesn't really matter how bad they are. It's just against the rules. And so I, I totally understand what people are saying, "Oh, maybe month, month, two months, three months is is harsh on him if it does come down to that. But it's one of those things where you just shouldn't do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. and, I, and
2: I know it's not that bad but Tony's really he's been poorly advised
1: either he's been doing it in secret he knows he shouldn't be doing this I think it's a case of you either let everyone do it or you don't do it at all like you've just said I don't bel- I know you've literally just said you know if if you back yourself to win it's fine on paper face value that's perfect in my eyes however if you allow that then you start allowing an inch you give a mile and then they'll start doing more and doing more you need to just cut it out completely and I totally agree it shouldn't be allowed but in this instance I don't believe for one second that 232 occasions have been ones where he's been backing himself to get a yellow card or backing his teammates to you know throw a game or something like that if it is and they find that then you know he deserves all the punishment that he, he has probably coming to him but it feels to me that it's recreational and it feels to me like it's just an, and uh, I, don't, I don't want to say a problem but just like a recreational thing that he probably enjoys doing but we'll see as the situation comes to light more and they'll be able to come to to light and find the conclusion of it quickly but you know i think that the worst part and the worst party in all of this will be brentford because if even if he is out for three months and it's after the world cup because i'm sure if, if, if he used to be charged he'll want to be charged right now so he can take that month of qatar then you know whatever's left but if it's, it is three months and he gets charged in january that's nearly the main bulk of the second half of the season done. He's their main striker. He's the guy who's going to probably keep them up this season if he is to play the remainder of the season. So I'm sure that you know the manager and the fans are going to be pretty anxious about the outcome of this and when the outcome of it is going to be. Because at the moment, we just don't have the context to see exactly how they are going to charge him. And that's the most worrying part for them. In terms of how this affects Brentford, Marley, Thomas Frank, of course, will
2: be... I'm sure discussing this with the hierarchy at Brentford Community Stadium behind the scenes, how do we combat this if Ivan Tony does get banned? Do they then go into the market in the January transfer window and buy a striker maybe if it's even a six-month loan deal just to kind of tide them over until Tony returns? There are discussions going on behind the scenes at Brentford between... The club and Tony and his representatives, they won't be making a statement or a comment on this issue until it's resolved, which we'll find out in about five or six days time. Um, but what do you think this means for Brentford? How is this going to affect them? Because he is their talisman. There's no two ways about it. Aside from Harry Kane and Erling Haaland, Ivan Tony scored the most goals in the Premier League this season.
3: Yeah, it's, um, it's massive for them. It couldn't have come at a worse time. Um, they'll probably be ruined. the fact that somebody somewhere has clearly been sat on this until World Cup time. Um, you know, in that four years, have they only just found out that he's been betting? Because to me, it took them ten years to catch Joey Barton. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? Like, I don't. It's just the timing of it is so suspect for me. Like, um, he's clearly been stitched up by someone. This, this could have came out at any point in the last four years, and only just now when he was on the world, the you know the fringes of getting into a World Cup team, and it was genuinely a 50/50 shot between him um and probably Wilson or maybe even Rashford um, and it's came out like this so it's gonna kill Brentford to be honest if, if they ban him for three months um, and that starts in in um you know January or mid-december you know he's gonna miss all of January's games all of uh, February's games and and probably maybe some of March as well so you're talking games like 15 to to 27 28 you know that's that's a huge part of your season and Brentford will be fuming because as much as they've got players up there physically to fill in his his impact on their team is is absolutely huge he scores pretty much half their goals um you know leads the line brilliantly is integral to how they play um and they're going to have to go in the market and, and sort something out on a short term deal to to replace him if that is the case and he does get banned for for more than eight or nine weeks. If you look at the Brentford fixtures, let's just say,
2: we're speculating here, he's banned until the end of February. So let's just say the start of March. If you look at their fixtures between now and then, they've got Tottenham on Boxing Day when they come back at home. That's West Ham, Liverpool, Bournemouth, Leeds, Southampton, all teams that, think if you're a Brentford fan you'd like to be beating to kind of keep yourselves away from that bottom reach of the table then Arsenal, Palace, Manchester United at the end of February there's some massive games coming up Marley so you know as much as it's difficult for them to to kind of be effective without Tony I'm, I'm sure they'll be able to get some sort of results here and there but it, I guess when you think of Brentford the first player you think of is Ivan Tony and you know, without disrespecting Johan Wisser and some of the other players they've got in that team, where are the, and Umbermo, where are the goals going to come from? If it isn't Tony, then who?
3: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, they, they, I think they won a couple of weeks ago without him, didn't they? But it's, you know, it's, it's different with a one-off rather than, you know, an extended period of games where you've got to slightly change your style. I think this v- is all right, but He's not as physical as uh, as Tony. He can't. He's not as good at sort of holding the ball up and, and bringing others into play. He tends to be a bit of a penalty box uh, striker, sort of moving off the last man and stuff. And yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough for them. I mean, any any team would struggle when you take the best player out of it. But you know, he's he is streets ahead of of the other Brentford players um, in terms of impact. Um, I think Damsgaard coming in over the summer hasn't really kicked on yet. Maybe it's time for him to. To start pulling the strings a little bit more, um, but yeah, it's um, it's huge. I think they're, they're going to have to make a decision, but the World Cup is is the perfect chance to to look around the market and see what you can get in January. So it maybe it uh, it could work for them in terms of. I've heard
1: Ronaldo's available.
3: <laughs> yeah, get get Ronaldo <laughs> down to the Brentford Community Stadium. See what uh, see what... he's not yeah. Danish, you'll <laughs> be
2: well, I'm sure two, Ivan two. Tony will be um, finding out pretty soon what the solution is to the problem that he faces and he's been charged by the FA with 232 alleged breaches of the betting rules and of course when we find out the information when it comes to what happens to the Brentford striker, we will let you know on Football Social Daily because the attention will be turned into the World Cup but I'm sure there'll still be drips and jabs of Premier League news uh, as that tournament progresses and... Talking of World Cups, next up on Football Social Daily, we're going to be hearing from an international football journalist. Gavin Hamilton will be running the rule over Qatar and exactly what's happening there and all of the issues around it as we approach the tournament with the first match on Sunday. We'll speak to Gavin after this here on Football Social Daily.
0: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
2: Alright, welcome back to Football Social Daily. Now, the Premier League might be on hold and Ivan Toney might not be playing football in the Premier League for a little bit, depending on the outcome of what happens with these betting charges, but he would have been pretty gutted that he's not on the plane to Qatar. Albeit, there are a fair few people that have been on the plane to Qatar as players, staff, media, and it's been a little bit strange. So, to help us try and wrap our heads around the equation that is a winter World Cup and the first ever in the Middle East, we're joined now by international football journalist gavin hamilton how are you doing gavin
4: i'm good thanks nice to be here how are you doing
2: very well and thanks for giving up some time to come on to the podcast and the first thing i wanted to ask you was about the atmosphere in qatar now we should point out that we're not actually there but from what we can gather from colleagues over in the middle east and of course on social media as well it's feeling a little bit strange over there at the moment we've seen these processions involving fake fans in inverted commas um people that who are allegedly kind of hired to represent a certain nation to help build the atmosphere. We've also seen some interesting things to do with media access and restrictions of where broadcast crews can film and things like that. So how do you assess the landscape in Qatar right now as we head into the tournament?
4: I, I think it's a, a culture clash is probably the best way you describe it with the media. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for that culture clash to sort of break down a little bit because we're people are going there and they're not used to, 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 to what they're experiencing and I think that the fan issue is interesting the fake fans I mean the, the reporters that the the UK reporters who who covered that story particularly the England fans you know the England fans who were receiving you know the uh, the, the England team at the hotel um, those reporters said that those guys were genuine you know they were Indians working in Qatar who'd formed a supporters group so it's very hard to get to the bottom of it but there is there are Football links that go back further in Qatar than you would expect. It's not all about them just throwing tons of money at things and paying people to, to do jobs and, and, and everything else. There is a culture, a football culture there. We're just not used to it. I mean, it's no different to you know to a, a team, a uh, you know, Premier League team, touring the USA or uh, Japan and, and finding local supporters groups there. There will be local supporters groups. They're often expats in, in the US. Um, so it, it's not as strange as you might think. Um, we're not used to it, and there is that culture crash, and it's going to take a few days for that to break down. Um, and I think there's also just this before a World Cup, we always get the guy I mean, it's just because the guys who are reporting the stories are the sports news reporters who've gone out there ahead of the football reporters, and they used to normally in a European tournament, they're on hooligan watch. They're looking for stories about the, the, uh, possible trouble, and 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 there's, we get a few. We always get a few days of Hoolie watch before a, before a tournament. This is different. We're getting sort of Qatar watch and the human rights stories and and the gay rights stories and everything because those reporters are out there being told to find the stories.
2: Yeah, I mean, it does feel, and we mentioned this before we started recording the show, that this feels like probably the most politically charged World Cup ever, at least in my memory um, of World Cups over the last twenty odd years would you agree with that and it's quite obvious as to why that's the case
4: yeah i mean i think i mean there's always been political decisions um countries have always bid for world cups for political reasons um and and russia were just as russia's bid um was just as political as qatar's and 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 putin and russia didn't get the stick um that qatar are now getting i think maybe qatar are getting a sort of getting a bit of the the pressure because we didn't deliver it to Russia when we should have done, um, and and I think people are thinking they need to make up for that a little bit. Um, but there's always been politics involved in in the, the process of awarding World Cups, and that was yeah, it was intensely political because it was always about lobbying by politicians and politicians making decisions and and various deals being done behind closed doors. So that politics has always been there. But Qatar, it's so overtly political because it's a whole nation state throwing a whole load of money at, at a World Cup to to basically enhance their status as an as a country.
2: Yeah, and of course, there are so many uh, unique factors about this World Cup. It's the first Winter World Cup uh, in the European winter, of course. It's the first World Cup to be staged in that region of the world. And what some people seem to forget is it's the first World Cup to be essentially hosted in one single city. All the stadiums are around Doha, which would never have happened in a World Cup in a bigger nation, let's just say. And it is Qatar who kick off the tournament. Traditionally, the host nation, which Qatar are, will kick off the tournament. They play Ecuador in the opening game on Sunday afternoon. But Ecuador might not have even been at the World Cup um, had things go um, against the the grain for them. So tell us a little bit about that, because it was pretty close to the fact that they might not have even been there.
4: Well, Ecuador fielded a player um, in, in the qualifiers who was you know, he's quite a key, key player, Castillo, who, who um, uh, was col- born in Colombia and, and had a Colombian passport. But actually, uh, the, I mean, the circumstances of him, him arriving in Ecuador are, are, have been unclear whether he had illegal alien status or asylum status. No one quite knows. But he basically became an Ecuadorian citizen. Um, and was, was you know was entitled to play for the side, but the the Peruvians who basically finished below Ecuador in in the qualifiers claimed that he shouldn't have played in any of the games and, and that, that they should um, they should qualify for the World Cup instead and um, it, it basically went to the wire with you know a lot of appeals it went to cast the committee for the for arbitration of sport in switzerland and and right down to the wire, a few days before the world cup that was that decision was was upheld so so ecuador are there and they deserve to be there i mean i think they're going to put on a decent show actually Ecuador they're a decent team and they they could actually um uh get out of that group i think it's quite a tight group so they they're there on on, on merit and um but you know we often we often see these cases in in, in particularly south america of, of these sort of appeals uh, going going through and, and, and countries trying to get to uh other countries thrown out but it was um i think quite rightly uh you know ecuador um were were backed uh, and FIFA backed them and, and cast backed them as well. So it was uh, the right decision in the end.
2: Yeah, it would have been a bit of a disaster had that opening game of the World <laughs> Cup needed to change from <laughs> Qatar against Ecuador. Um, just rolling back to Qatar, the nation on the pitch. You said the footballing links go back further than people realise. What are they like as a side? Are they any good? Because without sounding too disrespectful, I can't imagine many of the world audience tuning into this World Cup would have had much experience of watching the Qatari national team.
4: No, but I mean, they're better than people think because they've had, they've had a lot of time to, to play together. They've got a Spanish coach who's, who's got a background in the Barcelona Academy and has come up through the youth team with the youth teams as they come up through the generation. So um, they, they, they know each other as a squad. You know, they, 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 uh, they, they play together for some time. They played in tournaments. Remember, they, they competed as a guest team in the Copa America. Didn't do too well, but they won the Asian Cup a few years ago. Um, and they've got some yeah, some decent players, so they won't be rollovers at all. Um, I, think, uh, I think it'd be really interesting to see how, if, if and when the crowd get behind them, because you know, we don't know uh, if that would be a factor, whether they, it will be that intense a noise in the stadium or not, um, and, and whether they, they feel the pressure of performing in front of a big crowd, because they, they don't normally do that. Um, that might be a factor. But they're a decent footballing team. Um, they've got a couple of useful players, but none of them have really played outside of Qatar, um, they've got a feeder um, team in Belgium that they use to they'd they, they be developing, and, and they've also nat- nationalised quite a few players from South America. Um, so you know, which is what's happened in athletics as well. So um, they're are a decent team, Qatar. Um, you know, they're not expecting to do a, a South Korea, as, as you know, remember the Koreans did in t- two thousand two went all the way to the semi final, when the whole nation went bananas behind them. That's not going to happen. But they're are a useful team, and they and they
2: won't be embarrassed. Yeah, it feels like everyone's got a feeder team in Belgium these days, doesn't it? Whether that be domestic or international. Um, what about England then? Their first group stage game, Monday afternoon at one o'clock. Um, not often that you'd see the pubs packed in the UK at 1pm on a Monday, but it looks like that's what's going to be the case this time around. Iran are the opponents, and we've spoken a lot about England on this show, but what about Iran? Because politically, there's some significant issues taking place in the country at the moment. The coach was quizzed about those in a press conference and he actually stood up and and almost demanded to be paid a little bit more to answer those questions. So there's um, a a real conflicting feeling around Iran at the moment as a country, which I don't know whether that will reflect to the on-field action and the kind of build-up to the game. But what's your understanding of what's going on there?
4: Well, there's a, there's a crossover. You can't you can't sort of divorce the, the, the politics from the football, and 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 you've got some of the the protesters in in Iran have been calling on spectators in in Qatar to boo the the you know the Iranian national anthem as a show of support for their for their demonstration. So it's going to cross over. Um, the players are involved in it. The players are conflicted. They've got um um. There's a former player Ali Karimi who's one of the best. Iranian players, whatever, has, has been speaking very publicly and supporting the, the protesters. Um, and uh, Sada Asmun, who's, who's probably their leading player, who plays in, in Germany for Leverkusen, a decent player, he's backed them as well. And there's been... Kweros, the coach, has been sort of forced to... to Deny that he's under pressure to drop Asmund from the team because of those that support that he's he's given to the protesters. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. You know we don't really know what's going on. And Queros has come back in. He was he was uh, the, the coach. Uh, another coach was was sacked and then reappointed and then sacked again and 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 Queros brought back. So there's a lot going and some of the players have got loyalties to the previous coach. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. But Iran will actually have quite a few fans I think in the stadium because of the geographical proximity to Qatar so um, it'll be it'll be an interesting game um, for England aside from that having to deal with the yeah the climate and, and temperature and everything else it's uh, it's going to be quite a complex, complex mm. thing going on.
2: Yeah these issues tend to either galvanize or polarize a nation and I think you could probably say something similar about Brazil as well which is a nation politically divided after the recent election but when it comes to the Selecao on the pitch they're one of the firm favorites. Uh, to win the World Cup just a final question and one that Marley you actually mentioned which I didn't realise before we started recording the show which is uh, the beer in the stadium um Europeans love to have a drink around football. Obviously, it's slightly different in the UK. You can't have an alcoholic drink in the view of the pitch. But in Germany, you can. And in several other nations in Europe, you can do that. Um, apart from the fact beer is quite expensive in Qatar, because, of course, it's a, a dry country. It's uh, It's unusual now that they've taken the step to basically almost ban alcohol from inside the stadium perimeter.
4: Yeah, it's a strange one. I, mean, I think it goes back to what FIFA... I mean, FIFA are supposed to go in and organise everything, and and it looks like they've just bowed down at the last minute to Qatar, and Qatar have just forced the issue. And and there's an issue for Budweiser, you know, because they Budweiser are paying a shedload of cash to be the official beer supplier of the tournament as well as a sponsor. So um, I mean, I would think Budweiser are laughing actually, because they they'll be able to sue and have compensation for not being able to supply beer in the stands, and they they've still got loads of publicity off the back of the. The story, so um, they, they win both ways, but it's um, it, it's a strange one for FIFA because FIFA, um, you know, look like they're losing control of the tournament. And the Qataris, a you, know, you know, Qataris switched the, the date of the first game because they wanted Qatar to be the, the opening game. Um, so Qataris are pulling a few tricks late on in the game, and and, and FIFA are, are, are sort of letting them get away with
2: it. Just the final one Joel has chosen Argentina as his winners for the World Cup, and you can imagine the whole um. Fanfare around Lionel Messi lifting the trophy. Cristiano Ronaldo's done this explosive interview this week. He says that if Portugal win the World Cup, he'll hang him up and he's done. But if you were going to plump for someone to to lift the trophy, come a month's time, who would you be fancying, Gavin?
4: I, I think Argentina is a, a good shout. I mean, I think I think the South Americans are going to be strongest because of the, the climate conditions and, and they are used to playing in Qatar because there's been they haven't been able to play friendlies in Europe but often in recent times because of the nation league taking up the fixture list. So Brazil and Argentina are used to playing in in uh, in Qatar. Um, I think Argentina—it's a great story. Everyone wants Messi to, to to bow out on that high. Brazil are strong as well, and potentially they could meet in the semi-final. So that could be the deciding game. Um, but Argentina, yeah, they've got—they're they, on a, a really good run of form, and, and they've got a there's a really good seems to be a really good atmosphere in the, in the camp. Um, Messi is all the videos of him around the, the camp are of him smiling. He's happy to be there. Um, Mm. You contrast that with Brazil and Neymar never seems to be happy when he he goes to (laughs) play for Brazil. He's always subbed off early in in matches. Um, Mm -hmm. Messi plays the full 90. He's happy to be there. It seems a happy camp. And that, I think, is a really important
2: factor. And in all fairness to Chiche, the Brazil coach, he's got enough forwards to pick from. So I think we might well see Neymar getting subbed off at some point. Uh, Gavin, great to speak to you. Gavin's an international football journalist, works heavily with sport business as well. So I appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the World Cup. Yeah, thank you. Cheers.
0: Football's social daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk.
2: Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your award winning Premier League podcast. Great to hear from Gavin Hamilton before the break there about all of the goings on in Qatar ahead of the tournament, which of course begins on Sunday with Qatar against Ecuador and then England in action Monday afternoon, one o'clock UK time. The three Lions taking on Iran in their opening group stage. And of course, the group contains the United States and Wales. All things that you'd know if you were in the tournament, of course, as a supporter of any of the nations. And I wonder how Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson will get on and how their World Cup knowledge is because of course it's time for the Friday quiz here on Football Social Daily and we've got a World Cup theme so we'll start as we always do it's back and forth one question each eight questions in total four of uh, four for each of you the youngest goes first so that will be you Joel so are you ready?
1: Let's go let's go World let's Cup Let's
2: go Let's go. Of course, no Ian today. Normally, Ian would be competing against one of the two boys, but they're going head-to-head today, Marley and Joel. So let's see how it works out for either of them. Starting with Joel in his first question. Cristiano Ronaldo has been dominating the headlines this week after his explosive interview with Piers Morgan. Of course, he's going to the World Cup in Qatar with his national team, Portugal. Including this tournament, how many World Cups has Cristiano Ronaldo competed in?
1: Uh so two thousand and six, two thousand and ten, fourteen, eighteen, four World Cups. Including this tournament. Oh, include, oh, five then, five, he's not played it <laughs> oh, technically, right, well, so it's a bit dubious. Yeah, just give it's him two, dubious, two chances
3: one. again, he, right, that's fine. <laughs> no, I just you, couldn't believe it, it. I not right, say. you don't have to, uh, no, don't have to no, listen no, to the no, question no. and base your
1: answer on no. that. He's not even played in it yet, you can't count it. He said said in question you can't count it. He's
2: not played in it. Yeah, but I said, including this one, how many tournaments will Ronaldo have competed in? Including Obviously, I
1: was counting up to it, I thought he said played in My God, Why? Oh, what a
2: start to one. the quiz!
3: Nah, <laughs> I'm I gonna like,
2: it. I'm gonna pencil in the point if it becomes a tiebreaker at the end. Because I'll be honest, I haven't written a tiebreaker question, so you better hope Marley <laughs> slips up along the way because I'm gonna give, I'm gonna concede this. the victory to Marley if if it's a tie at the end by virtue <laughs> of that it. error. um All right, I'll give you a point for the time being. So Joel's one up here, but only just. Okay. Luis Garcia. (laughs) Qatar versus Ecuador kicks off the tournament, as we were just discussing with Gavin Hamilton earlier on on the podcast. But in 2010, the World Cup was in South Africa, and the opening game involved the host nation where Shabalala scored a very famous goal. But who did he score against,
3: Mali? Do you know what? I thought you were going to (laughs) say... I you're going to say it's Qatar versus Ecuador. What's the score going to be? Because apparently they've paid to win 1 0, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We already Second know. half goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I remember Shavalala's. Was it Mexico he, he scored against? It was Mexico. Was it? Great little Brilliant. knowledge there. You dug that out of the depths of your
2: brain. Well done. Great hit, though, wasn't it? What a goal. My yeah. word. Banger. Probably the best thing
3: about that tournament
2: to be honest. And uh, Peter Drew's commentary
3: for it was was insane as well.
2: Oh, yeah. Goal for all of Africa. Oh, brilliant. Amazing. Um, Goal for South Africa. Goal for all Africa. Yeah. Iconic commentary. Okay. Joel, it's 1-1. Chance to take the lead again. Seven nations in this upcoming World Cup in Qatar have won the tournament in past editions. Can you name those seven countries?
1: Oh, bloody hell. Okay. Brazil. Correct. Argentina hmm England. Mm-hmm. Um Uruguay. Yes. France. Yeah. Spain. Yeah. Germany. Yeah. That's your seven. Hey. Well done. Thank you very much. Well
2: done. Uruguay's the uh the little red herring in there. They were like, it? was it like nineteen
1: um, thirties they won it?
3: Thirty yeah. and thirty four they won it. That's... They're
2: two time winners.
3: So I didn't know that. Yeah yeah. yeah. First two times they won it and then Italy in nineteen thirty eight and then it stopped for the war and then you know you're in you're into the f- 50s uh, with Brazil 50s Pele. Yeah. Yeah, Brazil took mm. over yeah. So, mm.
2: and of course um, there are eight winners in total of the World Cup over the course of history uh, the one that is missing is Italy who didn't qualify for this edition of the tournament <laughs> in the Middle East so seven winners previously of the tournament taking part in the competition this time around okay so well done Joel a point for you so that means you're 2-1 up Marley chance to level the scores here Lusail Iconic Stadium is one of the venues for the World Cup coming up. Does it hold more or fewer spectators than Manchester United's stadium Old Trafford?
3: Is that where the final's going to be?
2: The Lusail Iconic Stadium is where the final's going to be.
3: Um. Well, it'll have just been recently built, won't it? So they don't do things by half over there. So I'm going to say more even though I think it might be less, but I'm going to say more.
2: Your logic is correct. It is more. Well done. 80,000 seats by virtue of, I think three or 4,000 more than Old Trafford. I think, What's Old Trafford? 76 and a half, something like that. So, so yeah, 80,000, the LaSalle Iconic Stadium. At least I think that's where the final's going to be. But, yeah, your logic spot on there. They go big, don't they? The Qataris in the, the Middle Eastern countries, when they have something like this take place, they certainly do go big in terms of the, uh, the capacity of the stadiums. Of course, there has been plenty of controversy about the building of those stadiums and the human rights issues that surround that. And it would be remiss of us not to talk about the grounds that matches will be played in without touching upon that as well. Okay, well done. 2-2. Joel, this is your question. Senegal talisman Sadio Mane has been confirmed as out of the World Cup. What part of his body is injured? <laughs> how, how technical are we going? <laughs> uh, just the body part will do. Like okay. For instance, Son Hyung min injured his eye socket, so I would have said face or eye would have been acceptable if that was the question. Sadio Mane's problem, what is it?
1: His leg? No, <laughs> that
2: like. <laughs> yeah, To be fair, Well, you fair, did say a body part. To be fair, it? to be fair, that's an open cut.
1: Right then it is his leg yeah but right then <laughs> i guess I i've got to, to give you the question. point i've stitched myself i listened to there. that question
2: <laughs> it's his knee it's his knee i'm gonna have to give you it i've i've, I've literally i've stitched myself massively there oh. too
1: bad i knew it was his knee but i just wanted to keep right. myself completely right. of course she did, yeah more.
2: i mean is there anything like a car crash quiz on a friday delivered by <laughs> me rushing through the questions probably not um well done joel um, you got you got a point. so You're in the lead three two. You better hope this uh, this um, doesn't end up in a tie because your shambles of an answer for Ronaldo at the beginning. You're going to need a VAR for could that cost one. Cost you. <laughs> could cost you. Um, Marley, another stadium question for you here. In the previous World Cup in 2018, it was held in Russia, and there was a stadium in the eastern city of Yekaterinburg. But what was unique about that stadium?
3: i seen this yesterday. It was the one where they built the uh, the stand outside, wasn't it? They they sort of opened it up and, and built a temporary stand outside to boost the uh, the numbers that you could watch the match with.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. Yeah, They built um, a scaffolded temporary stand of which there was no roof and it kind of extended out into the car park. Very, very strange design that of that stadium. i so safe. <laughs> um, I I'm, imagine either of you guys probably won't have by virtue of supporting Premier League teams, but... Have you ever seen Gillingham Stadium, Priestfield? Uh, the away end is very similar to that. It's like a <laughs> scaffolded uh, away stand with no roof. And any uh, football fan that plays in the lower leagues dreads going to Gillingham away. Because, you know, if it rains, you've got absolutely no protection. You're going to need to be bringing a, some sort of poncho or rain jacket or something. Um, well done. Scores a level again. So going into the final two questions, here is your first uh, first bite at the cherry joel ghana versus uruguay will take place again in the world cup group stages and of course there was a famous meeting between the two nations in 2010 luis suarez performed a handball and punched the ball off the line as it was going in ghana had a penalty and missed
1: it but who took that penalty Oh, it's my boy Asamoah Jean. I still feel my pain for him during that. Oh my God. I, I think he still gets nightmares from that moment because he literally had his head, I don't think it was his head, but missing the penalty. Hmm. And then they end up losing the game. Oh, I think, God, honestly, I swear to God, Ghana, I think may have won the tournament. If they won that game. <laughs> I remember Marcel Desailly,
2: who, of course, won the World yeah. Cup. As, was he oh God, the France yeah. captain? I think he might have yeah. been, you know, in 98. Yeah, he was. Um was. going absolutely ballistic because I think Desailly had Ghanaian heritage. Um, and despite the fact, you know, he had won the World Cup as a French player and as their captain, he was absolutely incensed in the studio. And I would have been as well. And that was the time. Did Luis Suarez punch off the line and then in the next World Cup I think he bit someone didn't he? Um, Yeah, absolutely absolutely crazy guy and he'll be in the World Cup and in the Uruguay squad and I think is Azamoa still in the Ghana squad? Um, Mm. I'm not sure. No. Is he retired? He wanted
3: to be. He, he, He wanted to be. He said he would come out for it if they wanted him but yeah, I think he's about 42 now. Oh, so. is he right? Okay, I didn't realise <laughs> that. But he's one of... the. I was
2: looking at the stats before the tournament. He's one of only a handful of players to have scored in multiple World Cups. Um, I think he's scored in two or three World Cups at Asamojaan. So, yeah, it's good for him. Um, and that'll be one worth watching. I tell you what, I can't wait for that Ghana-Uruguay match in the group stages. That is going to be tasty indeed. Asamojaan, the correct answer. Well done, Joel. Um, Marley, this is a bit of a, a tap-in, this question, because we've discussed it already on the podcast today. But it just... I guess tests your more recent memory. How much does a pint of beer cost in the World Cup fan park in Qatar?
3: Oh, uh, is it twelve quid? Twelve fifty? What's your final answer? You going for twelve or twelve? Twelve. I think it's
2: twelve fifty. It's twelve fifty. Well done. Yeah. So we're Trust tied Martin up. We're tied up. Price. Do you know what? We're gonna. I, I'm gonna have to call that a draw, boys. I can't. I mean, <laughs> I can't. I don't know, Marley. Marley, you're probably fuming at that, but I feel harsh to take I, it away from no, Joe.
1: I, I knew how many he was there. It was just, you know what, you gave you just, it back just to with the leg question. So.
2: Yeah, but if this was a legitimate quiz show where there was money on the line, there's no way the quiz master would have been...
1: Yeah, but key word, legitimate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you saying my quiz isn't legitimate? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. If I speak... If you speak well, yeah. Um, Of course, we'll be uh, back right throughout the tournament as well. Not so daily, of course, on the podcast whilst the tournament is in place. But make sure you hit subscribe to this show because we will be every now and again releasing podcasts about the World Cup and exactly what has been going on in Qatar on the pitch. And indeed, when it comes to the three Lions, England are playing on Monday. We'll have a podcast there before the game against Iran and a podcast after the game against Iran as well, a preview and a debrief for you. So make sure you hit subscribe uh, because Monday is going to be one hell of a day as England kick off their World Cup campaign but so too to Wales and so too to the United States and I know that there's a fair few Welsh people and quite a few Americans and Canadians as well that listen to this podcast Football Social Daily so that's an exciting group and that England-USA game is going to be fun as well as the England-Wales game too so we look forward to that Um, but for now on Football Social Daily that is it don't forget the dugout is out a little bit later today former England player Trevor Stephen will be joining me and talking about his memories of 1987 when Maradona punched the ball into the back of the net the hand of God one of the most famous incidents in football history Um, he'll be talking about that Matt Jarvis who also played for England will be joining me as we discuss Cristiano Ronaldo's bombshell interview this week so you don't want to miss that episode of The Dugout it's out a little bit later but from myself, Joel and Marley that's it for now have a great weekend and we'll see you on Monday
0: Football's Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode